To catch a bad guy Spider-Man, yes, Spider-Man The world's most amazing Spider-Man Calling all crooks, he'll trap you yet And wrap you up in that silky net The all-time champ of the spider set Episode 110 for August 2010. The Spider-Man Crawl Space Podcast is sponsored by MailOrderComics.com. They have today's comics at yesterday's prices. And they want to be your local comic shop online. They have discounts from 38 up to 75% off the cover price of new comics and trade paperbacks. A spider-related example is the Spectacular Spider-Girl trade paperback called The Last Stand. This collects the last issues of a 12-year run of one of the best Spider-Man titles of all time. It contains Spectacular Spider-Girl number 1 to 4, also Spider-Girl The End, and material from Web of Spider-Man 5 through 7. It comes in at 168 pages. The cover price is $16.99. Mail order has it for just $10.53, which is 38% off the cover price. So check them out at mailordercomics.com. Uh, we're going to do the This Month in Spider History with JR. Uh, we're going back to August of 1990, which was JR 20 years ago. You believe that? I know. I, I couldn't believe it when you first proposed <laughs> it, you know, and it said August yeah. 1990, and it's like, oh my God, tw- it was really 20 the, years ago? One of the biggest selling comic books of all time was released this month Spider Man number one, Torment Part One, written by Todd McFarlane. Drawn by Todd McFarlane, inked by Todd McFarlane, covered by Todd McFarlane, etc. This came out uh, with multiple variants. We had the regular cover, the black cover, the green cover bagged, the black cover bagged. We had years later they released a chromium cover, and then some people thought it would be cool to buy the cover with the UPC symbol on it. Then the Marvel said, hey, retailers, thank you for making this the biggest selling comic of all time. Let's give you a platinum cover of 10000 Exclusive, Jr. What do you think? Did you buy multiple copies of this when it came out twenty years ago? No, because I didn't see multiple copies. I just really? went to my no. I mean, I went to the book broker, you know, in Evansville, Indiana. Plug, plug, uh, and uh, you know, bought the only copy I saw. You know, and that it was the one that I've got, the the most common one. Um, I don't recall seeing all these different variations. I mean, n- at least not then. I mean, I've seen them lately. Yeah. But I didn't really recall seeing them then. Uh, but, you know, I mean, this is, I mean, this is the poster. I mean, if you want to talk about the speculation, you know, yep. situation, whatever, this is one of the poster children for it. Uh, it was just a symbol of, of 90s excess. I mean, just all the, I mean, like you mentioned, I mean, you, you know, you mentioned the chromium cover, the platinum cover, the gold cover, the green cover, the black cover, and mm-hmm. you forgot to mention that two of those were bagged. Because there's nothing more exciting about buying a comic book than buying a comic book that you'll never bust open and read. Uh, 
So, you know, and, and of course, then again, this sold like three million copies, which was yeah. number one until Marvel said, oh, hey, let's do this again with X-Men. And that, that sold eight million. But it, I don't know. I mean, Torment, which was the beginning of the story, was was perfect because that was the exactly how you felt about the story. I mean, <laughs> Todd, I mean, I guess you have to look back. I guess, you know, Todd McFarlane back in 90 was was, you know, was hot enough to, you know, fry eggs on the sidewalk or fry eggs on the top of his head or whatever. You know, <laughs> he was just so hot. And I get, you know, now, of course, we know, you know, that he started Image and helped, you know, helped send comics into the sewer in 1990s. And we know he turned out to be a rather sleazy businessman that cheated, that cheats creators just like he perceived companies cheated him. So I'm thinking the bloom is off that rose. But 1990 was different. Everybody thought this dude walked on water. They gave him this. Uh, He started out with this inexorable five-part garbage story about the lizard turning you know talk about the lizard turning feral and turning his monkey brain off and using it well it was, this was the same thing that what shed wasn't original mcfarland <laughs> did it 20 years ago yeah uh and uh, but you know uh, this, i really i really can't i really can't say enough bad about this particular issue and what it represents it's a beautiful cover though love that cover it's- it's a nice cut. A, a little known fact uh, with Todd McFarlane artwork, because I was a big, I still am, I love his artwork. Uh, every issue, uh, generally every issue of Todd McFarlane's covers, he drew a little spider with it uh, on the cover. There was a hidden spider somewhere, and if you look at McFarlane's signature, there's generally a number underneath his uh, signature. Uh, like there'll be a number three, so you look on the cover and you'll see three Spider-Man. There are three spiders. Uh, with the, the signature here, you see a question mark because there's so little, there's so many spiders running around that cover. So just little known spider fact I'm not sure everybody knows about. Also came out this month, Amazing Spider-Man 336 and 337. You know, 20 years ago, they were thinking about doing it uh, twice a month. Uh, in the summer, would, they generally did it, uh, issue, sent out two issues a month. And what yeah, do you think of yeah, 336, 337? Uh, the Wagers of Sin, written by David Michelinie, Art Eric Larson. This is uh, The Return of the Sinister Six. That's ironic. We just talked about that earlier in the show. Yeah. You know, I think this was actually the uh, first um, – let's uh, <laughs> talk about getting the band back together. Yeah. I think this was the first time it happened since uh, the actually the very first Spider-Man annual that Stan Lee wrote. Uh, and I think uh, Larson is the artist on this one, Eric Larson, who was kind of McFarlane light uh, during those days. Uh, it's not too—I mean, it's not too bad of a story. It actually had a good, a better build-up, I think, than a finish. But you know, three thirty-six is notable because that's the issue that uh, Aunt May's love, Nathan Lubinsky, dies, and of course he dies because he has a quote-unquote weak heart. You know, we established that early in the story. Oh, I got a weak heart, so you know he's going to die. <laughs> you know. The weak heart is the fail-safe when you really don't understand a, a, a medical condition or whatever or don't understand much. Give them a weak heart. Like the burglar at the end of Spider-Man 2000. Oh, my bum ticker. I'm going to die so I can't tell all the world that I know you're Spider-Man. <laughs> and he dies. You know, and, of course, Aunt May was always going to die, quote-unquote, because of her weak heart. So, you know, that's the go-to medical condition, you know. Sad- so- Sadly, I think – do you think this is going to happen to Aunt May's current husband? Bad <laughs> heart? Have we ha- has, does he have any health problems? Oh no! I think he's going to wind up, you know, because you know, dying at the hands of some supervillain, and Spider-Man will feel responsible, and we'll have to listen. We'll have to listen to that for years on end. So, also, oh, I could never face Aunt May. I could never tell her the truth because I was responsible for the death of that old, aging, sagging face, prickly old, shriveled up <laughs> penis husband of hers. Wow! 
Uh, also, that came out this month, Spectacular Spider-Man 167. Uh, a misty kind of memory written by uh, Jerry Conway, art by Sal Buscema. This one has MJ kissing another dude on the cover, and the little yellow boxes. Has Spidey's wife, Mary Jane, found a new lover? Question mark. Uh, Mary Jane kissed or got kissed in the back of a carriage, if I remember correctly, by this guy, right? Yep, Jason Jerome. Yeah, what a name, huh? What yeah. a name. Yeah, and she, uh, yeah, she liked it, and that was the problem. <laughs> so it's like you go, oh my gosh, what's going to happen next issue? Mm-hmm. Uh, although this is more noted, I mean, you know, this is night and fog. You know, you talk about, you know, you talk <laughs> about run, well running dry, dry in the '90s on villains. You know, night turns himself into, uh, I guess, a metal person, and fog is just that. He's fog. You know, <laughs> killer fog. You know, I, I, you know, I, I wonder. I wonder if John Carpenter got a royalty from using this for this character, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, this this is just, you know, Spider-Man goes to England and he loses his memory. <laughs> I mean, what, what else do you say? You know, yeah, he's he talking in a jolly old accent. Yeah, yeah. I'll take uh, some spider fishing chips. Yeah. <laughs> not, not, not one of Jerry Conway's best moments, no. Jerry Conway also plotted uh, the other issue that came out this month, Web of Spider-Man number 67. Uh, quote, the name of the story is With Friends Like This. Uh, has uh, the Green Goblin thrown a pumpkin bomb at Spidey, and the little yellow box on the cover says there's a new superhero in town, the Green Goblin, and Spidey wants to end his career. So this was Harry, wasn't it? Yes, it was. I, uh... I talked about this during my Goblin Prince series, really how much I really disliked this issue because basically it's, it's the, the whole thing is Harry wants to be a heroic Green Goblin to redeem his father's name. And of course Spider-Man thinks that's an utterly stupid idea. So what do you do when you, when you think that a, a person you care about is going to make this tragic mistake? What do you do? Do you go to dinner with them and do you talk to them? You know, do you sit down, you know, over a beer or whatever, you know, or, or, or do you just like walk in and beat the shit out of them? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and think that that, and think that they'll listen that way. And, and, that, and that's essentially what it does. I mean, you know, Harry is, Harry's a character who's pretty sensitive anyway, so the best way Spider-Man figures he can get through to Harry is humiliate him even more and make him feel even more powerless. Yeah, that'll do it. Um, I, this this is just dumb. I mean, you know, it, Peter should have known that Harry would have known by then, you know, figured out his identity. This is just, it's a very bad story. It's a very disappointing story. Uh, and, and when they, they revealed at the end that Harry knew that Peter and Spider-Man were one of the same, they did absolutely nothing with it until the child within, until they decided to make Harry a bad guy again. They did absolutely nothing with it. A huge, wasted opportunity. So overall, what was it for a month of Spider-Man 20 years ago? It was a pretty piss poor month. It sold the well, though. Six, <laughs> well, of course it sold. Of course it sold well. well. Yeah. I mean, if you sell someone a box of horse manure for a dollar and, and and tell them that in ten years it'll be worth a thousand dollars, you'll have a lot of people buying horse boxes of horse manure. I mean, that's Gee, just. The, I wonder if that would happen in the past five years. <laughs> hmm. Wow. All it right. would have happened in 1990. Unfortunately, yeah. as crazy as things and, were, both. Baseball cards and comics. And I have to admit, I have a long box filled with Spider-Man number one to about number ten. I bought five issues 
of every comic that month because I thought, you know what, someday I could make a million dollars. Twenty years later, I still have a full long box of that. <laughs> <laughs> Twenty I years really later, do. you still have that box of horsemen. And you, you know, one, one variant on that Spider-Man number one that I failed to mention. I forget it was in the back of a Marvel comic or something. I forget where I read it, but maybe it was Comic Buyer's Guide. They said Todd McFarlane will autograph. Uh, copies of Spider-Man number one. Just uh, send your money here and you'll get them back. And I did that and I have, I think like three autographed Todd McFarlane comics. I think it was the Comics Web or the Spider's Web was the name of the store that advertised in the back of the comics and I did that and so I have even more. Spider's Web's the, was the, uh, name of the letters page. Well, I think it was the name of a comic shop too. Uh, maybe if somebody's listening, they can help me with that ad. But I distinctly remember seeing that ad, where you can mail off and get autographed Tommy McFarlane Spider-Man comics. And I did that 20 years ago. So, alas, I still well, have one box. Well, cons- considering Todd McFarlane's business practices, are you sure it's really his autograph or an auto pen, or if he got some <laughs> intern to do it for him? Oh, great, Jr. Now we got a <laughs> box full of crap even more. <laughs> 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 all right, all right. Recommendations. Let's put a bow on this one, guys. We'll start with Stella. We haven't heard from her in a while. What do you recommend this month, young lady? Okay, well, for my uh, my literature recommendation, uh, in, I guess, honor um, of Omit Part 1, I'm going to recommend Fatland, How Americans Became the Fattest <laughs> People in the World by Greg Kritzer. And I actually read this. It's very interesting, but it's basically, I mean, like it said, how, you know, Americans became very, very large and just all these miscommunications, obviously McDonald's going for value meals and then you've got the biggie size me, all these problems and how diabetes and obesity are a real problem that we need to think about as we go into the future. And there was this sort of really scary moment uh, where he flashes forward 10 years and, you know, everyone, the average size is like a 14 and obesity is, I, so it's, it's scary. Um, so, I mean, I encourage people to get out there and try to be active at least 30 minutes a day, you know, take the stairs, not the elevator, things like that. But, you know, I hope that this is a lesson for Spider-Man, that he needs to start battling um, obesity as well. Um, <laughs> what's, a, what's a fat one again? No, I'm just kidding. Oh, yeah, you know, let's not even talk about that because you lied to me, and I don't hey, appreciate that. He, he's already fought obesity, though. He fought obesity in Earth-X. Oh, yeah, okay. He also fought obesity when it landed on him after he got hit by the brick. <laughs> <laughs> by the way, it would not be an anniversary episode if we didn't quote, what's a fat one? You know that, right? <laughs> My goodness. Go ahead, Stella. Sure thing. Um, TV-wise, Covert Affairs, it's cute. Uh, I'm sort of still, you know, getting into it. It's not as good as Alias. I think it's less intense. Uh, but it kind of shows, you know, what would um, Sydney be like in her first year, but it's obviously not Sydney. Um, and then movies, I saw Inception. I'm sure I'm going to take this from somebody. But it's probably one of those movies you have to see more than once. But I thought it was very smart, uh, brilliant, really. And the ending is really powerful. It sort of makes you wonder. And I thought it was very well done. So those are my recommendations. Cool. Kevin? Uh, I would add my voice to the recommendation for Inception. Uh it was one of those movies that me and my dad saw when we were walking out of the theater. We were trying to decide if it was the best movie we ever saw. So <laughs> that should wow. say a lot. Um, I would also like to re- recommend Batman Under the Red Hood. Um, I've heard that's all, good. Yeah, I think uh, most people know I'm not a big cartoon fan. Uh, I don't 
don't watch a lot of cartoon movies or shows. Uh, I, I like very few of the ones I see. Um, but this was excellent. Um, I'm a fan of the original storyline in the comics. Uh, the movie was written by the same writer that wrote the comics, Judd Winnick. And I did, I think he did an incredible job of adapting the story. Uh, he tightened it up and made it, you know, he, he turned 14 issues into 75 minutes. That's pretty damn good. And he also, uh, you know, changed things so it didn't include Superboy punching a wall, which is awesome. Um, but the voice casting was incredible. I mean, Neil Patrick Harris's Nightwing was fantastic. Uh, Jensen Ackles as the Red Hood was great. John DiMaggio as the Joker really surprised me. He was, I thought, a perfect midway between Mark Hamill and Heath Ledger. He was very, very good. Um, so overall, it, it was a really, really solid movie. I think it went above being a really good cartoon movie uh, to actually being a great Batman film. So I'd recommend that to anybody that's remotely interested in Batman. Finally, Batman. Um, yeah, thanks, Batman. I appreciate the endorsement. Um, <laughs> finally, uh, a show that's not a new show. It just came back on TNT for its second season called Dark Blue. Um, this one stars Dylan McDermott. And starting this season, Trisha Helfer from Battlestar Galactica is joining the cast. Yeah! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's... I, I have never seen... Such a quick and large upswing in quality than I did on this show. The first two episodes of their first season honestly sucked out loud. Then the third episode was great, and they've stayed that way ever since. They've run two episodes so far this season. Uh, it's, it's as good as it's ever been. Very, very good character drama. Uh, it's about an undercover police unit. It's, it's intense. They're always basically on a high-wire act that could and does fall apart at any minute. Uh, and, and like I said, the character examination is really great. Characters are first in this show, and it's, it's a really, really good drama. So I'd recommend that for anybody. Cool. Zach, we haven't heard recommendations out of you for a while. Okay, I've got a, I've got a movie and three TV shows. Okay. The movie, The A-Team. I know it's probably not in theaters anymore, but if you can get it on DVD, do it. Because this was the funnest movie I've seen all year. It was just chock full of fun, extremely well. If you're even if you're just a casual fan of the of the TV show, they did a great job uh, with the movie. Loved it. Uh, walked out of there just absolutely, completely, and utterly entertained. Uh, TV shows. Royal Pains has been. I, I watched a little bit of the first season. I started watching it. Uh, I've watched almost the entire season now. It's got about three episodes left of this season. And it's a good, fun summer show. Um, I've really liked it. The uh, second show is obviously going to be... Uh, hang on, let me look at my DVR just a second. Uh, <laughs> well, because I, I, I can't remember the name. It's the, it's the one with... Uh, I've recommended it before. It's uh, White Collar. It just came back on not too long ago, and I've actually, I, I really have enjoyed it. It picked up right where the last season left off. Um... Uh, well, not really right where I left off, but uh, it just—it's been—it's been pretty enjoyable. I've enjoyed it uh, pretty well, and and the—I've uh, actually liked Covert Affairs. I'm going to agree with Stella. That was going to be my other one. Uh, my girlfriend was the one that wanted to start watching it, and I got sucked into it. And it's actually been a pretty entertaining show. So I agree with you on the white collar. That's a really fun show. Got my girl in it. 
Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Tiffany Amber last month, didn't I? Yeah. I remember I you saying that. Did. <laughs> Anything else, Zach? Um, hang on. Let me look at my recordings. Oh, duh. Burn notice. Yeah. I, I, you know, the first two seasons, I kind of, I watched the first couple of episodes, liked it. And then I kind of forgot about it. And this season I've been catching up on it, and it's been really pretty solid. Uh, I always like Bruce Campbell. Uh, I like Bruce Campbell in the Spider-Man movies. I love the fact that, you know, you see the Campbell in the movies, and you see the Campbell, it's kind of letting himself go a little bit. And it's kind of funny to see. <laughs> you know, he's always drinking beer, it seems like. <laughs> always drinking beer. And it's great. So uh, I, that's that's the other one. Burn notice. JR, what do you got? Uh, actually, uh, I don't have any recommendations because I went straight from baseball season into football season. So uh, <laughs> I've been pretty busy. But I do want to ask Kevin a question. Um, I think yeah. we all kind of universally like, um, I mean, if I've been you know, judging us correctly, the Batman Beyond movie. How would you say that Batman Under the Red Hood compares with Batman Beyond as far as, you know, a, as what, a good movie? The, uh, the Return of the Joker Batman Beyond movie? Yes, yes, I'm sorry, yes. Uh, I actually haven't seen that, um, oh. but I have actually seen a couple of our guys on the board that were saying, you know, this. there's no way it can match up to Mask of the Phantasm and uh, Batman Beyond Return of the Joker. And I think all of those guys that have seen Under the Red Hood say, you know what, it really did. And that was exactly what Bruce Timm said that he liked about this movie. He said he thinks it stands on the same level as those two films. So that seems to be the consensus, the, yeah, sorry, the consensus but I haven't seen it, so I really can't say, sadly. I've seen both of them. I, like, I really like both those. Um, I haven't seen Under the Red Hood, but I've seen Mask of the Phantasm and Return of the Joker. I like both of those Although, a lot. Jr., if you were thinking about uh, watching it with your son, I would I would recommend watching it yourself first to see if you think he should see it. Uh, ah. it, it, it does have a PG-13 rating, and it earns it. Um, the, the film starts out adapting exactly the the story where Jason Todd is beaten to death with a crowbar by the Joker. So they, I think you should screen it first, probably. No. All right. Uh, anything else, Jerry? No. no okay. Recommendations out of me. I got a uh, comic book, a video game, a TV show, and so- my first one is something that is the polar opposite of Stella. I'm going to recommend people go to McDonald's. And- <laughs> <laughs> Because they're selling McDonald's Marvel Happy Meal toys. And the specific Spider-Man figure is something that ties into the website. It's a very good-looking figure for just a dollar, a Spider-Man crawling, which uh, is really kind of cool. And I have it on my desk right now. I'm looking at it. So for a buck, it's not a bad-looking Spider-Man figure. So I bought it only because he was crawling. Hence, all space get it. Okay, anyway. Uh, (laughs) TV show. if you have History Channel on your dish or your cable, check out Stan Lee's Superhumans. I watched the first episode uh, two nights ago, and it just premiered this past week. Basically, uh, Stan Lee sends a guy out to find people that have superhuman powers. Like, they showed a guy that has, uh, literally, he can bend like frying pans with his bare hands. He can rip a phone book in half. Another guy that's like a, a modern electro, he can conduct electricity. Uh, it's just, it's kind of like Ripley's Believe It or Not with Stan Lee is basically what the show is. So check the History Channel uh, for Stan Lee's Superhumans. 
the video game recommendation, I pick up, I picked up, uh, Transformers War for Cybertron for the PS3. Very fun game. I'm digging that. I played that for about an hour last night. Um, you can start off on two kind of, uh, missions. You can start off as a Decepticon or you can start off as an Autobot. And I've been playing as Megatron, obviously, because I like being bad. Anyway, if you like the Transformers, <laughs> if you like the Transformers, if you like, especially if you're a kid of the 80s like I am, they really are, are uh, true to the 80s look of the characters, more so than the Michael Bay Transformers. And they have uh, Peter Cullen as the voice of Optimus Prime, which you can't go wrong. He was in the movies and the, the TV show, so... Uh, they had it for 39 bucks or 49 bucks at Best Buy a couple weeks a couple weeks ago, and I picked it up. Uh, my other recommendation is is for everybody, but it's mainly aimed at Kevin. Yeah. I'm recommending Frankencastle, and I do did you have not, to? Did I? I did not think I would like this book, and I think Kevin especially will like this book because I'll give you Frank uh, Frank Castle as Frankenstein is dumb as shit. <laughs> that's kind of my entire point. But, but written by Rick Remainder is damn good. And I don't believe I can I can read this book and I'm like, well, I'll be damned that wasn't that bad. <laughs> and, and it's got Morbius in it. And it's got the Legion of Monsters in it. It's got the man thing. It's got it's got uh, the werewolf by night. It's got Morbius. And I'll be damned it's not that bad. And, <laughs> and werewolf if, by night? Yeah, it's got Werewolf by Night in it. And if you like the monsters, which, Kevin, I know you love you some monster. <laughs> Pick this trade up, dude. It's not bad. I really, I really think you would dig it. And I might have to look if for you some just, back issue. If you just take away the whole dumbass thing that Frank Castle is a monster, it's freaking pretty sweet. <laughs> I love you, Brad, but somehow I have a hard time removing the idea that you're really easily entertained sometimes. <laughs> well, I have you're, on the show. Easy to oh, please. Just <laughs> right back at you. No, no. You, you, I really, I, if you find it in a trade, if I see it on mail order or something, I'm going to be like, order this thing for six bucks or whatever. I don't know. Okay, tackling our message board questions. Before we uh, start it, though, you know, we failed to mention this in the last show, or we mentioned it briefly. This is the 12th anniversary of the Crawl Space, August 8th is the day the site went online. So, happy birthday, yes. everybody. This is actually uh, the 12th year for both you, mm-hmm. me, and JR. All three of us went online at the same time. That's, That's right. right. Wow. What were we doing in 98? We had an extra, <laughs> lot of extra free time, I'm thinking. <laughs> no kids, for one. That's for sure. So. <laughs> anyway, man, what were you doing back in 98, Kev? Uh, I don't want to say for legal reasons. <laughs> okay. Stella? <laughs> Stella, what were you doing in 98? Um, I think I was in sixth grade. Oh, are you serious? Oh, my God. Wait, I think so, yes. I, I was in college in 98. Uh, Zach, what were you doing in 98 besides starting a website with your dad? Um, well, st- I think I was in six, uh, fifth or sixth grade, too. Wow. So, so was I. Wow. JR, JR, you had graduated college. Yeah, by you're a few married, years. Right? You're I, for, I forgot actually. I actually did. I forgot. I actually did have a kid in '98. Um, wow. But uh, now, yeah, I was a 35-year-old man married with one kid by that time. Holy, that, you're me. That's me. I'm 35, <laughs> married with one. Wow. Wow. Well, <laughs> goodness. Oh boy, I don't even want to go there. I was, <laughs> All I'll right. Say, 
other time. <laughs> we're, we're, we're tackling message board questions, as I said earlier. Uh, we're starting off with our buddy Funny K uh, in the land of Scotland. Okay, I'll have many questions about Joe Q. Uh, that was funny, wasn't it? Uh, Stella, <laughs> what is your favorite non-female character, excluding Spider-Man? Wait a minute. No. Spider-Man's... <laughs> So, favorite, What's your favorite male character in comics. Yeah, um, yeah, that's tough. Like runners up are always tough. Um, I'm obviously a big fan of uh, Iron Fist and uh, Captain America. Um, either sort of incarnation are good, and then I'm a big fan of Nightwing as well. So, is Spider-Man your f- number one? He, number one male, yes. Okay, good. Jr., have you ever read a comic when it first came out, enjoyed it, and then reread it several years later and thought, this isn't as good as I first thought? Oh, yeah, it's happened a lot of times. I mean, if you reread, I mean, we all love Stan Lee and stuff, but if you reread a lot of the old stories, they're pretty corny, pretty silly at times. But I would say if you're looking for a particular story, I'd say probably the death of Gwen Stacy. You know, I mean, traumatic event. Well, traumatic event when it came out. And, and again, I want to say, too, you know, I recognize that Jerry Conway was only about 20 years old when he wrote this. So, you know, a lot of those guys are pretty darn young, and they did a pretty good job. But when you look, look on it, you know, with, you know, years ago, it's it's it really misses the chance for a lot of drama. I mean, one, it seems like it's very rushed. It's only two parts. You know, Gwen's not even conscious. You know, she's just kind of laying there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and and Norman talks like a cliched villain. You know, he's he, he's not really the master manipulator by the time. You know, by that time, he's you know doing a lot of cackling and saying goofy things. And and how does Gwen fall off the bridge? I mean, does Norman really ram her with that big piece of metal and knock her off the bridge? It, mm-hmm. It's pretty ambiguous when you think. How did Gwen? And really fall. Um, and then, of course, Norman dies by, you know, this is the guy who who was able to, the first one, I think, to be able to mask Spider-Man's spider sense and then and learn his secret identity. He, had, he, doesn't, he doesn't realize, though, that if he sends a big hunk of twisted metal behind <laughs> Spider-Man, that Spidey's not going to sense it coming, and I, so I guess you know. Of course, they were. It was the, mo- the emotional event, but now it, it's it's one of those things that boy, it was powerful when it came out. But now you look and say, God, that's kind of silly. Do you think Norman should have died there because he would have been Spider-Man's? I mean, he is now, but he would have been Spider-Man's number one villain of all time if he survived killing Gwen. Well, at that time, at that time, they wanted to have kind of a closure. Yeah. You know, it was like they wanted to balance the scales. So when Gwen died, Norman had to die. But that was, you know, the way he died was kind of a cheat, of course. And, uh, you know, and, but, but the reason he, one reason he died is because they, you know, like Jerry Conway said, uh, he didn't think, think that in five years there were going to be comics anymore. So it didn't matter. Well, they co- copied it in the movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. It Ke- worked a little better in the movie, though. Yeah. Kevin, do you believe logic prevailed in the Allies tournament with Doc Strange picking up the victory, or do you think that someone else should have won. He's talking about the message board thread where we pit uh, allies against each other. Yeah, I don't know. I think uh, if we're going with actual power, the final battle probably should have been Doctor Strange versus Nova. Nova shouldn't have been taken out as early as he was. If we're going with just who's the best ally, then Ben Riley should have kicked Doctor Strange's ass all up and down his magic <laughs> boulevard. <laughs> wow. What did, are you on something? Because this is—you're giving me the best sound bites of all time. <laughs> Kicking him up his magic boulevard. What was the Chico oh. one? Hey Chico, you're gonna Yo, die. Yo Chico, don't kill him. Oh my goodness, that should be a bumper sticker. 
Uh, Zach, <laughs> pending that he does show up for once. Hey, he's here. <laughs> hey. Hey, he showed up. Following Assholes. On... <laughs> wow. Following up on Kevin's question, how exactly would Ben Riley have beaten Doctor Strange in the finale? Uh, a couple of things, impact webbing and a couple of stingers later would have uh, taken care of that, but, uh, yeah. Put a stinger up your magic boulevard, Dr. <laughs> uh, Brad, first congratulations. Thank you, sir. Mama and uh, baby Ava are doing well. Second, how high on your awesomeness meter does the Stanley intro to Ava Marie rank? It, uh, it's up there. Again, I, I have to thank everybody involved with uh, Bertoni and Eddie doing that for me, and, and Stan especially for congratulating me on being a daddy. So that's just that's awesome. So I, I, of course, if you look at that picture of Bertoni and Stan together, yeah. you know you get the impression Bertoni is holding a gun or a knife to Stan's back. <laughs> You're gonna like the crawl space. Exactly. Care. I don't care. Yeah, that's exactly what it looks like. <laughs> and funny, Kay says uh, that's all this month, gang. Once again, congratulations on the birth of your daughter, Brad. So thank you, guys. That's very sweet. Yeah, we can, I want I've, I've said this to you, you know, several times, but congratulations. I want to say it on the podcast. Thank you, guys. And if you go up to the front page, you can see little Ava Marie in her Spider-Man onesie, which is very cute. She is literally the most adorable baby in the world, <laughs> I swear to God. I know, dude. It came from my genetic code, too. It's un- <laughs> <laughs> Just shocking. Just shocking. Man, yeah, I, I would have thought it would have came from, from Mrs. Crawlspace. Yeah, that's where she gets her hair. Uh, <laughs> well, that, that's where the genetic manipulation Yes, is. yes. I, I had Dr. Warren, you know, back in the labs, you know, we're doing stuff, you know. Anyway. Uh, Javi Trajillo from uh, Austin, Texas. Uh, when it comes to characters like Batman, Spider-Man, Superman, how do you organize your collection? Do you keep each title contained, even if it's, if it's a part of a story that continues in another satellite title, or do you organize by month and character? That way you can read it in order if it's a crossover without having to go through your old stacks. How do you guys sort your books is the bottom line of that question. JR, how do you sort it? You got a lot, a lot well, of boxes all around the house? Um, not as many as you have, but I do have several laying around. Uh, I, I do it by title, Amazing, Spectacular Web, because that would be the only way I could keep it straight. Me too. Anybody else do it differently than that? I That's, do it a do little it? differently, how yes. I have everything up to the Clone Saga organized by title, and then in the Clone Saga, I've got that all completely in one separate box. And then I've got, after the Clone Saga, I just continue on. So there's a big giant gap. Yeah. <laughs> but, I do it uh, basically the same way as everybody else, but when I did the big Clone Saga read-through, I had to pull all those out and get them in order first, because there was going to be no way to just pull from all the different That's titles. why I bought the trades. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's, that's really I'm one of the, the main trades. reasons. <laughs> One of the main reasons I bought the trades, or I'm continuing to buy the trades. Stella, do you organize it by title? It will probably shock people to know I only have two long boxes. Wow. Um, yeah, I know. This is shocking. I crap so, two long boxes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, due to my unemployed nature, I've actually been going through them like, hey, did I like this? And actually selling them on eBay. Oh, wow. So I think, I mean, it's it's they're organized according to title, but it's not like DC is sort of swimming with some Marvel stuff. Ooh. And then Birds of Prey is like in a complete different box because I have the entire run of that and I'm going through it and reading it. But other than that, no uh, JR, I think, organization. Uh, Brad, what was your favorite of the newest Democracy Mountain Dews? Uh, and what do you think of Whiteout winning? Actually, I, I did a segment on television with this. We uh, I was filling in on the morning show, and me and the weather guy 
I brought in the three different Mountain Dew flavors, and my favorite was the one that won, the Whiteout, because it, it uh, tasted the best. I really didn't like the red tropical punch one, and the gr- really Kermit the Frog green looking one was <laughs> nasty. I, I didn't. It was like a Sprite, just was flat. I don't know what it was. It was just really weird. But uh, yeah, Whiteout one, I enjoyed that Mountain Dew. Uh, Venomaniac trapped in Walternet. I don't know what the Walternet is. It's his location. Kevin, if you could pick one person to edit your work on Amazing Spider-Man, when you write it, would it who would it be and why? Also, your work is all kinds of awesome and beats the daylights out of anything the Brain Trust is producing. Zach, you're there. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Venomaniac. Uh, he, he can be your editor. He knows history. Well, going with actual editors, uh, I would probably <laughs> sorry guys. Brennan. Um, I think I think Brennan seems to be a really good workhorse on uh, ASM, and I like the support I've seen from him for Spider Girl. He seems to really care about what he's doing. Uh, so I think Tom Brennan would make a really good editor. Jr. Who has handled Harry Osborne's uh, better since his return? The Brain Trust or Kevin Cushing? Creative points for details. <laughs> Is this a serious question? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's up on the internet. What, what, it's got to be real. <laughs> what, what, is, what is the objective of the question? Trying to get me to dump on Kevin or something? Or, or uh, you know, I mean, I think he's just... trying to get you to pump me up, but uh, I'll I can walk away if you want to be honest. <laughs> no, no, I just it's it's almost like a one of those you know. Uh, you know, I don't know. It, it just seems to me like it's, he's trying to get me to say something. But but the uh, the answer is, I mean, how can you compare them? It's not even the same thing. Kevin's turned Harry into a major, uh, you know, major uh, uh, mover and shaker in the story's events. He's you know he's made him the my best friend, my worst enemy character. You know, and the brain trust basically is until American Son. It was kind of like, oh, okay, we brought him back from the dead. Now, what do we do with him? Run a coffee shop. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, there we go. Adam helps the Bolton man, who he's never shown compassion for before. But hey, (laughs) so Uh, you know, Kevin's actually using the character and having him figure prominently in the stories, not to blow smoke up the guy's ass, but (laughs) you know, the brain trust really. you know, the brain trust hadn't figured out what to do with him. So. We have Spider-Man vitamins if you get too much smoke, Kevin. Uh, Zach, are you there? Hello, is this thing on? Again. If so, I'm curious what the relationship is between Peter and Kane. It's something I've always been confused about. Okay, okay. You have to remember, between the Clone Saga and who has been Riley, the last time Kane saw Peter Parker was in Maximum Clonage. Because Kane only makes two appearances after that. He makes, or three appearances. He makes an appearance in uh, Scarlet Spider Unlimited number one. Uh, Kane also makes a, uh, the Return of Kane story arc and Spider-Man Redemption. And also he makes a cameo, or a couple of cameos after that too. But that's it. he doesn't interact with Peter Parker for the rest of the time. At all. So, as far as I'm concerned... Kane still has it that he threw away his life with his <clears throat> girlfriend, uh, the perfect life he had. That being said, they kind of muddled it and turned Kane's motivations against Ben into Kane's motivations against Peter, so it's kind of confusing. So I can see where people can be confused as to why Kane acts the way he does, but it's. If you if you look at it from that context, it's uh, 
it kind of makes some some sort of sense. Stella, what would be a good way to get girls into the mainstream comic industry? And do you think it would be realistic to say the amount of women reading and working in the industry would increase? Um, I think there's probably not one solution for getting uh, more women into. Oh, what? Uh, I guess I was thinking about this as readers. Um, writers, I think we're doing it. Uh, I mean, Marjorie Liu, I think, has really made a huge step for from just writing one shots to now she had um, Black Widow for the first six issues, and now she has X twenty three for however long she decides to take it. Um, women are, you know, I think it depends on talent, but it seems like there's a big uh, jump, um, and that we are seeing more writers and more artists that are of the XX chromosome. Uh, Nation uh, and let's see here. Yeah, I think everything's increasing. I think that this is a good time to be a female comic reader because a lot of strong female heroines are getting their own books and everything. So there you go. Okay, uh, question to me. Congrats on the baby. Thank you very much. Much like Bailey created the scale of utter fail, you must come up with a scale of dumb ideas. This is based on dumb ideas rather than bad execution. Extremes or everything from Terry Kavanaugh has ever wrote to Aunt May having sex. It's actually canceling Spectacular Spider-Man, but Aunt May as having sex is more disturbing. Uh, I really don't know. Uh, Aunt May having sex uh, is kind of dumb. I, I really don't have an answer for you. I'm sorry. <laughs> Anybody? Okay. Uh, well, you have Maximum Clonage, Omega, and Omit. Yeah. Both both have their own levels of shit. The the uh, the brick and the momentum it takes to throw a brick in the in the sky is pretty dumb. <laughs> we, we pretty much uh, all consensus is we agree on that. Spider Plumber, did he get a tattoo? Look at that. That looks like a Joe Jusco uh, original pose from uh, Oak Bank, Canada regarding the arts. Uh, I don't recall which issue it was in the past, but in one where Spider-Man temporarily loses his powers, he was out in costume, anyways, and forgetting he was powerless, he tried to walk across a wire. <laughs> Strung between two buildings, losing his balance, blah, 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 blah. Simply stated, I'm tired of Peter being drawn as a scrawny, skinny runt. I think Sal Buscema's renditions of him in Specs from the 90s was the perfect balance. Does anybody agree? Is Spider-Man wimpy or muscular? What do you guys think? Lean muscle is probably the best way of drawing him, but yeah. not, I mean... Obviously, when you see the stuff that's out there, like, uh, that's obviously influenced from Bagley, he's supposed to be a teenager, so he's going to be a little more scrawnier. Yeah. But uh, he, he should have some, some lean muscle to him. That's hilarious. I just read his last line. That is his tattoo, and it is a painting of Joe Jesco's. So that's a good-looking tattoo, sir. Thank you. Congratulations. Oh, uh, by sir? the way, uh, yeah. Spider Plum- I was going to answer Spider Plumber's read. The uh, issue in question is Amazing Spider-Man number 200. Okay. Uh, Berserk Fury 819 from a post clip Wasteland. Congrats to me and the missus and the baby. Thank you. What do you think about the new direction for Amazing starting in October, Brad? Um, I don't know. I mean, I'll, I'll decide on it when I read it. But uh, him working for the Fantastic Four, allegedly, sounds kind of cool, I guess. But I still, I like my classics, Peter, with a photographer. As a photographer going out and covering news, I always think that's kind of cool. JR, he asked you the same question. What do you think of the new direction of his new career? Yeah, I'll tell him to ask me again in six months, and I'll have an answer exactly. for him. Stella, did you ever get around to reading The Fountainhead? I'm reading it now, and it will probably be done when the episode comes out. No, it's uh, it's still on my list right now. I'm reading Little Women uh, to, um, I guess, study for a role that I'm auditioning for in the spring. So 
Um, yeah, so I haven't gotten to the fountainhead. Uh, Kevin, what when giving ASM the slot uh, allegedly doesn't boost sales, how will Marvel blame this on Delta House? <laughs> they won't. They'll say it did boost sales. You just don't have the correct figures. Oh, nice. Zach, Ben <laughs> Riley lost to Doc Strange. How does this make you feel? Oh, I'm sad. <laughs> uh, to all of us, what do you think about director Joe Johnston's announcement that Captain America won't be a j- uh, jingoistic? Is that how you say that word? Gen- yeah, jingoistic. Flag-waving American. Well, he's not. Uh, I'll quote Kevin. And that he's Captain America, not Captain United Frickin' Nations. <laughs> wow. Um, I think Steve Rogers is very patriotic. I mean, he yeah. just kind he's of wearing the frickin' flag. Exactly. I don't know. Well, it, and it, as Mark Millar, so I mean, in one of the classic panels of all the comics, do you think this A on my head stands for France? <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, JPD13 from New Jersey. Brad, congrats on the baby. I'm going to read every one of these because I like it. (laughs) Thank you, JPD. Uh, The whole gang admitted at one time or another you thought about getting a Spidey tattoo. If you were to get one, uh, what would it look like, what pose, and where on your body would it be? I'm assuming no one already has one. I don't think any of us have one. Kevin, I know you have tattoos. Were you ever thinking about getting a Spidey tattoo? I have, but what I think would be cool is something I would never do. <laughs> What's that? I think it would be cool to have, like, the uh, the the big Ben Riley spider thing, like, across my back. <laughs> would be pretty awesome, but I would never actually do that. You mean the cro- the sideways crooked s- spider? No, no, no. No, no, no like the Ben, ben Riley Spider-Man thing, where it goes, you know, starts in the center and the legs kind of go all the way up to the shoulders. Oh, oh, I see. Thing. It, would, it would look awesome. But yeah. it, it, it's also way too much. How? See, I I don't have any tattoos. How much would something like that cost? A lot. Yeah. Give, me, uh, give me a number. What do you think? <coughs> well, I don't know. I ha- let me put it to you this way: um, the the tattoo parlor I go to is a hundred dollars an hour, and I have two. I have a Celtic knot, a thin Celtic knot band going around each forearm. That took three and a half hours. Wow. So imagine. <laughs> wow. It would be really expensive. Probably about thousand, probably. I'd say at least eight hundred up to a thousand. I I think um, like a circular spider head, kind of like we have on the message board, would be kind of cool on like your arm, like your like your shoulder. Yeah, I thought about doing on my uh, like excuse, on my. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought about doing on my back. Uh, the uh, either if I was going to do a, a scarlet spider one, it'd be either. The Web 118 cover, mm-hmm. or the Web of, Web of Scrawled Spider number one cover. How about uh, Brand New May on your ass? No. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> if I was going to get a Spider-Man tattoo, though, I think I would have to wait until I was married and knew she wasn't going to divorce me. Wow. Because <laughs> if you got, a, if you got like a, a tattoo of Spider-Man on your arm or something, you're probably not getting any. Yeah. <laughs> Stella, you ever think about getting one, maybe like a spider heart or something? Um, I've considered a spider heart, really. Wouldn't that really? be cute? I mean, um, girls like hearts, you know? I've seen girls with heart tattoos. Yeah, but I'm not the most girly girl that you've ever <laughs> yeah, met, actually. That's like, true. Like, right. muscle on my arms. Um, no, I, I've considered the, uh, the 
I guess the symbol on his uh, back like that. Um, but I think most, if I were to get a tattoo, it would be of a moose, and that would be on my left hip. So yeah. Why? Why the placement on your hip? Why? Why there? Um, and it's not really. I guess. Yeah, I think it's the hip. Um, well, because a tattoo, instead of like showing it off, I want to get a tramp stamp. It would be someplace <laughs> that I'd be able to see, so it would be just for me, for me to enjoy. Yeah. I wouldn't be like showing it off to people, so that's yeah, why. Yeah, you don't want a Spider-Man's tramp stamp. That would be kind of funny, though. <laughs> no, yeah, no, as somebody that has a girlfriend with a tattoo in the same placement as, as Stella does, is so that way she can still wear a bikini and not be you know, flashing her tattoo everywhere. Because if you get it on, if you get it on your back, or if you get a tramp stamp, it's just there, you know. You're advertising the world. Yeah. If there are any uh, any ladies listening to this podcast, <laughs> do not get a Spider-Man tramp stamp because <laughs> no guy wants to watch, look at Spider-Man's face the whole time that a thing might be going on. Also, if we have any plumbers listening, and I know we do, <laughs> plumbers don't get a tramp stamp. <laughs> yeah. Jr., you ever think about getting some uh, ink? On your, on your really, <laughs> really. Besides turning the pages of the comic, <laughs> never, never considered it. No, don't have one. Never will. End of story. There you go. For three hundred bucks, man, I'd, I'd buy a rare Spider-Man comic over a deforming thing on your skin. I don't know. Uh, well, FS, it, you, it depends on whether you think it's deforming, I guess. But do you keep the receipt if you don't like the tattoo? I mean, what goes on? I mean, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, there's not a receipt. <laughs> I mean, I, no, I, I think I'm going to return this. You know, I'm sorry. You, at that point, you're pretty much f, dude. Yeah, you are f. I mean, that's an all. Or, you're in it or, or not in it. I mean, yeah, if somebody completely screws up your tattoo, you either have to get a better tattoo artist that can cover it somehow, or you have to pay a lot for tattoo removal. And then you're screwed. Anyway, FSU Spider Fit. Good question, by the way. In all the years we haven't had a tattoo question, that's good. FSU Spider Fan from North Carolina. For the group, if you had to be stuck on a cross-country car ride with a Spider-Man villain, who would you choose and why? JR, are you going to Las Vegas with Norman? Only if he's paying, right? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, Norman, would be, Norman would be one of the last people you'd want to go with. No, I, he's not quite a Spider-Man villain, but I would almost I would almost be willing to sit with JJ, even with his JJJ, even with his stinky cigar, because once he got riled up, he would probably he could probably tell hours of stories and rants and raves. I mean, it would probably be uh, it would probably be hilarious from beginning to end. Can you imagine The Hangover starring J. Jonah Jameson? That would be, that would be awesome. I would oh, that guy now have a uh, an idea for a miniseries starring <laughs> Osborne and Jr. going to Vegas. Hey man, <laughs> I'd watch it. I'd be the first to pay money to watch that movie. <laughs> Jr. Norman do Vegas. Yeah. Anybody else? Who who are you riding in the car with, y'all? Uh, I'd probably drive a hybrid and have Electro <laughs> in uh, the passenger seat. <laughs> Recharge. Wow. Or no, I'll, I'll do one better. I'll, I'll have uh, I'll have Electro with the Chevy Bolt. And, uh... <laughs> Stella, who are you in the car with? Um, I'm a. Oh, you know, there's no way to phrase this without someone taking it wrongly. Um, <laughs> great, oh great. I'm a fan of Shocker, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I just think that might be uh, fun. And, you know, if I had to fall asleep, at least it would be on a cushiony kind of guy. So, <laughs> wow. 
I could weigh my head on a pillow. There you go. <laughs> yeah, never. Wrap it oh. up. See, that was good because it was she funny goes. in all the right and wrong ways. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it was. Yeah. Uh, I'm writing for Black Cat just because the hours would pass by because I can stare at her chest. Um, oh, my <laughs> I can't. Maybe hey, you later. probably have three wrecks along the yeah, way, I know. too. Uh, B Dog from Canada, our buddy B Dog. Okay, you can have any artist except Diodato Jr. and the Ramitas to draw the upcoming run of Spider Man. Who do you choose and why? Uh, McNiven? Hey, McNiven? Okay. Zach? <laughs> Mark Bagley. Sorry. Yeah? I'm still yeah. over Shocker and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Zach, who do you I mean, uh, Kev, who do you like? Uh, I'd like to see George's Jaunty do a uh, ASM run. The guy that did the Bishop solo title? Uh, I don't know, but uh, he's he's done the uh, the Buffy season eight comic. He also recently did an issue of Batman: The Return of Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Uh, Jr., who do you like? Oh, um, I mean, I've always said I like Lee Weeks, uh, but uh, when I did uh, my. Uh, the year in review, I, I was kind of partial to Ron Garney's work. I kind of like that. It was kind of Romita-esque without being Romita. I think before he dies, Ditko. <laughs> anyway, uh, Steve Rogers, New York City. A JR, aside from Venom and the Lee Ditko characters, who has been the Spider-Man foe or even a supporting character, has been rammed down the throats of the fans the most. Well, I mean, uh, when you say Venom or Lee Ditko, I mean, I don't know if that qualifies as being rammed down their throats because people wanted to see those characters. Uh, but, uh, you t- but, you know, so people who, I would say that to answer your question, Carly Cooper and Michelle Gonzalez, who the hell wants to see these characters? Who likes these characters? You know, yeah. there's no chemistry and, and, and Michelle's a lunatic. So, you know, I, I hope that they both of them wind up disappearing in big time. I thought for sure you'd say fastball and uh, the new speed. Speed Speedball. No, not speedball. Screwball. 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 Nobody can remember that damn (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, because not every issue, no one's telling Spider-Man, you know, screwball is your the best enemy you'll ever fight, you know, and uh, it's the perfect enemy for you, like they're doing with Carly. Mm -hmm. Spidey dude, how about them cowboys? Hey, man. You know, I I, uh, I know you're a New York Giants fan, and I know you backed out last year on our bet that was supposed to go to the Muscular, Muscular Dystrophy Foundation. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm optimistic. Uh, I felt like the uh, I felt like they're 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 on a they're in a good situation right now, but they've got a really tough division to to fight through, and uh, we'll see what happens. Stella at San Diego Comic Con. It was known that there was an upward twin, trend of independent females not being dragged by their husbands or boyfriends, showing up and being active buyers and whatnot. What is the opposite of your, which is the opposite of your uh, convention experience? Do you think the trend at San Diego is more the norm out there for females being active and buying books, games, toys, and other merchandise? Okay, let me let me. I'm You're not, not Stella. Stella. <laughs> I know, but wasn't the majority of female people? Did he? Did I just lose him? I, I he think does he karma. Was stunned into <laughs> silence about what he was saying. Did, <laughs> where, where'd you go? Say, yeah. Can you hear me he's now? About to go, there you are. Yeah, we can hear you now. The internet said, "Don't interrupt Stella." <laughs> <That's your question. laughs> um, wasn't the majority of fans the female variety at Comic Con the Twitards? No offense, Stella. I'm not calling you that, but. 
Well, I asking. don't know, but I was I was just about to say that um, I think it's really hard to judge these quote unquote independent females that are coming because Comic Cons right now are not about comics; um, they're all about the movies. Uh, so I can't tell where they're coming from, but yeah, you've got Twilight, you've got all these other movies. So who can tell, you know, to where those girls are coming? Um, it's a good thing, nonetheless. Yeah, no, and I think you know I saw a couple girls around, but it, it's it's obviously minimum. I think we are diamonds in the rough. If you go with, the, I mostly see people go with uh, guys. Um, one of the the vendors at the convention I went to, he was really shocked that I had a list. He's never seen a girl have a list of comics that she needed. Only guys do that. So you know it might be an upward trend, but I think it's only a handful of people right now, and I think that it's hard to judge from. San Diego, because who knows if they're going for the comics or they're, if they're going for the movies, which don't necessarily belong there anyways. Spiderpool279 from Frederick, Maryland. I was actually talking to another friend of mine about your podcast. He says, the main thing that turns him off, well, there's just one, uh, were the <laughs> Answers Message Board question shows, which is the one we're on right now. Yay! Sorry, that was my Kermit the Frog. Because they felt <laughs> repetitive and that you guys were asked the same questions every month. Do you guys feel that way? Um, the message board shows are dependent on the questions asked, yes. It's also dependent on how funny we are with these things. And if we're asked the same goblin questions and we're asked the same XYZ questions and Stella's a girl, stuff like that, questions, yeah, it can be repetitive. But, you know, every now and then we get some good questions, like the tattoo question just now was funny. Um, I mean, we it, it is very dependent on more of what you guys submit. It's more of a 50-50 balance, in my opinion, of what we bring for humor-wise and what you guys ask us. So it's more of like a crapshoot with these, this show, in my opinion, than opposed to the other show, which I have a little bit more control over uh, what we talk about. So anyway, I hope he comes back. There's, there's variations of the podcast. There's the interview questions. I mean, there's the interview shows. And then there's the regular spider panel shows, and then I try to mix it up with uh, trivia shows, etc. So, uh, if you don't like the message board questions, don't don't listen to them. That's that's I'm not forcing you. You didn't pay anything for it. Uh, (laughs) Also, for uh, Brad, what do you think helped more? Did the podcast help the site, or did the site help the podcast? Uh, I think it's again another fifty fifty percent relationship. It helped. Uh, in 2006, when I started the show, that the site has been around since 1998. I mean, people had heard about the site before, and uh, there's other people on the Internet that uh, just skim iTunes and never heard of the site before. So I, I think uh, I get a mixture of old and new fans with the podcast. Either way, we're all Spider fans. We're all talking Spidey. Uh, Greg XB from Los Angeles. I'm not uh, in a lot of adaptions and retellings. It seems that Mary Jane and Gwen Stacy get role reversed a lot. The 90s show gave MJ Gwen's personality. Ultimate Spider-Man literally role reverse him. The movies gave MJ Gwen's personality as well. And when Gwen showed up, she acted like the Rhea Romita MJ. What do you? Why do you think this happened? Why has Mary Jane been turned into Gwen in nearly every adaption? Jr. That's got you written all over it. What do you, what do you think? <laughs> well. I- First of all, because uh, Mary Jane is a very, if you truly write Mary Jane as she's supposed to be wrote, uh, she's a very complex character. Um, that, and writers always seem to want to, I mean, when they do these shows and cartoons, they always want to seem to go with, you know, how these two are meant for each other, how well they fit together, blah, blah, blah. When really one of Mary Jane's appeal is that she's this bizarre, zany character. 
she's different than Peter Parker. That's the that's the thing. That's the attraction. You know, uh, she would think of doing things in ways that he would never consider. Ooh, that would be interesting. Anyway, um, but no, I just. Um, it, it's, she's just a very, I mean, you know, to truly get her, she's a very difficult character to write, and it's just easier to write her as, quote-unquote, the dutiful wife or the dutiful girlfriend. Yeah. Uh, Noctis7493 from the Be- the Watchtower, which I think is uh, Birds of Prey, right? Is that right? I guess. I don't know. Uh, hi, gang. Brad, congrats on baby Ava Marie. Thank you very much. To everyone, what song would you pick to describe and sum up Peter's life? From one moment in one more day up to this point in this uh, time, Kevin, you're all about mixing songs and, and literature. What do, you, what do you think, buddy? Uh, I think actually one I heard today would probably do it. "Shadow of a Soul" by Godsmack. Okay, Stella, any anything? Yikes! <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, it's, 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 it's yeah. Sorry, I didn't get what you were saying. Yeah, loitering outside the BTO watchtower. That's clever. Um, yeah, that's my watchtower. You can come in, sir. You don't have to stay outside. Um, I just found something called uh, Stop Whining by Rufio. So that would probably be a good one for him. Wow. Uh, JR? <laughs> Well, uh, I was having not being the most hit person on music. I was having a hard time, but uh, another brick in the wall kind of sounds like it pretty well sums up. Like, you know, not only Peter's experience, but our experience in reading it. So, wow. Okay. Uh, Rogue Forever Seven in between the X Mansion and Gotham City is where Rogue Forever is. Brad, congrats on Ava Marie being born. She's adorable. I would agree. Uh, Kevin, have you seen the Justice League Unlimited episode, The Return? And if so, what did you think of Kyle Rayner's portrayal? I've actually never seen an episode of that series at all. Shame on you. Shame. Sorry. Sorry. You've <laughs> never seen an episode of Justice League? No. I have. have you? Yes, I, I own all four sets. <laughs> all four seasons. <laughs> How odd is that? Anyway, I got him. I got him on a steal at Best Buy. So, I've only seen the first disc or whatever, but I liked it. Like I was, oh, I've good. said, I said in past podcasts, I like DC animation. I really do. And well, like I, I said, I don't really do many cartoons. I mean, yeah. I, I love Spectacular Spider-Man, but that's Spider-Man. It's kind of a special case, you know. And Under yeah. the Red Hood was great, but Green Lantern First Flight, not so much. <laughs> I bought that. Still haven't watched it. Buy Under the Red Hood and watch that instead. I'm waiting until it's cheaper. Uh, Stella, which female Marvel character do you think is most relatable? Yikes. That's tough. Uh, I, I might say uh, Sharon Carter. Um, and I really loved her from, you know, the, the one, I guess, through 25 of Captain America. And then the whole, all of the issues she went through with that pregnancy, I thought she was just a really powerful character. And she really reminded me of uh, Dido from uh, the Aeneid. But I think that she's really relatable and all of the problems that she went through, and it, it really seemed like that's something that would, uh, you know, a, a normal human female would go through if she killed her husband and the child of her baby. So. Wow. Yeah. Um, Zach is having computer issues, so we'll um, he'll have to reply to you on the thread. Jr., which Star Trek film do you like the best? Well, um, the everybody. Uh, Everybody likes Rathacon. I like Rathacon. I mean, it has a lot of problems. 
and it is cheesy and tacky. And, and yes, sometimes it, in some places maybe it doesn't age well, but it's still a really, I mean, it's still a really good story. And you know, I'm surprised there's any scenery left after Ricardo Montalban got done chewing <laughs> it all. And uh, you know, but but it's really the only Star Trek that is actually a self-contained story that's about something. In my opinion, it's about aging. It's about characters and the transition of their, you know, at, at a certain transition point in their lives. You have a mate, you know, you have new characters introduced. You have a major character who dies, you know, and it's it's and and you know the theme is just kind of moving on, you know, growing old but moving on. So it, I think it says a lot more. And the other ones are kind of just, you know, here we are, we're off on the Enterprise having another adventure. Yeah. The last one was pretty good. It was about youth and, and growing oh, well, up a bit. Well, I like I like the uh, I mean I like the reboot. I like yeah. uh, his uh, his reboot. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Persian spider from Iran, Tehran. Uh, here is your questions, everyone. How do you like the astonishing Spider-Man Wolverine mini so far? I've read the first issue and I really liked it a lot. Anybody else pick it up? Nope. No. Jr. I think you did. Yeah, I picked it up. I thought it was um, solid. I, it's interesting, but again, I, I've said you know my one of my sci-fi weaknesses is uh, time travel, parallel yep. universes, and and this is kind of right up my alley. So I'm I'm intrigued by how this bizarre you know parallel or alternate world keeps you know they keep falling into it. Yep. So, and Jason Aaron's a good guy. I interviewed him earlier this year about the book. Uh, it seems a brand new day has polarized Spider-Man fans. A quick net surfing shows that there are some who dislike it. Shocking. And those who seem it's like a who seem to like it a lot, it baffles me too. But what do you think has made some care about Brand New Day so much, and what do you think they see in it? Anybody? Wish I could tell you. It's I think it's the marriage. I really do. I think there's been there's a whole uh, generation like Kevin and Stella and Zach that grew up with the married Peter Parker, and that's what they're used to, and they're changing that. And they're really they they love the Mary Jane character and they don't like to see the the as I said in the previous show the two lovers split apart. Uh, is there any uh, is any of you looking forward to an upcoming Marvel animated movie? Um, I think well, he actually says animated shows. Oh well, I guess Ultimate Spider-Man. They uh, just released news that Paul Denny, who had a hand in uh, writing some of the best episodes of. Uh, Batman, the animated series from the 90s, is going to be a part of it. So that's that's a good sign. When we heard it was a Marvel team-up show, all of us went, ugh. Especially it's also if, got... Yeah. Oh, sorry. It's no, go also ahead. got Bendis and uh, Joe Kelly writing for it. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. I, I They have uh, big shoes to fill after Ultimate Spider-Man, because that was such a great show. Uh, to J- oh, yeah, I'm sorry. To JR, what do you think Spider-Man and Star Trek have in common? There must be a reason why you like them both so much. Well, for one, I'm a geek. I mean, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm a four, I'm a four-eyed geek. What else do you expect? But uh, to answer the question seriously, and, and again, you know, why do people? Uh, why are they so popular? Well, because people like them a lot, you know. But yeah. they're both about characters down at their core. The uh, the sci-fi or the spider powers is are kind of the trappings to tell stories about characters and how they deal with certain situations. Uh, in, in events in their lives, the Star Trek is also about family. How these yeah. uh, how these utterly bizarre these these different personalities 
were able to put aside those differences and and work together as a team. Um, so I mean, but but really, that's kind of when you look at you know. So that's why I like them, and 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 also you know, Spock is kind of like the patron saint of nerds. He's a great character, you know. I mean. Everybody in some way relates to Spock because everybody feels like the odd man out at, in some at some time or another. So, um, I mean, those are those are those are probably the best reasons I can give you off the top of my head. That was really good. That was really good. Uh, Extreme Spider from uh, New York City. Congrats on being a father. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Stella, how hyped are you for the new Spider-Man game? Thanks. I just came back from New York City. Um, nice. How hyped am I? Uh, on a scale from 1 to 10, I'm somewhere between a 3 and a 5. Really? That low? Yeah, I'm just Why? not as excited about it. I don't know. It, it doesn't really excite me as much as past games have. Are you going to uh, pick it up day one, or are you going to yeah, wait until prob- lower, lower price? Yeah, probably a lower price. Day one purchase for me. I'm, for r- I'm okay. like a 9, maybe a 10. Well, okay. Because of the voice acting and just True, ev- yeah. every trailer i've seen for this thing i'm like oh yeah <laughs> i won't do that that voice again uh Thank Ke- you. <laughs> kevin if you were editor-in-chief you'd fire me because of that voice uh, which team did you put on your top three favorite comics uh okay i'm gonna go with just marvel here assuming i'm an editor-in-chief in the real world i can only do one company uh and i'm gonna say three favorite comics in theory not necessarily right now so X-Factor, I would keep Peter David on for the rest of his life, and I would chain him to a desk and make him continue writing it. Uh, I would also get pa- Pablo Ramondi back to do the art forever and ever. Uh, the other two, I'm going to try to do new teams. Um, Amazing Spider-Man, obviously, I would, uh, let's say, change up the status quo. Um, and bring I would bring in Kieran Gillen and Jamie McKelvey as the team. Uh, I think they do a really good job. Gillen is amazing with humor. I think that would play really well with Spider-Man, and he's good with character. And McKelvey is just a damn good artist that works really well with Kieran Gillen, so it would be perfect. Uh, Daredevil, I would have Greg Rucka uh, write it. He's one of the best crime writers in uh, comics, but I don't think he's ever had a real run with Daredevil. He just co-wrote a four-part arc with Ed Brubaker, so I'd like to see his run. I'd have Diodato do the art on that, because, I mean, you know, dark and moody Diodato art would be perfect for some Daredevil. Nice. I, I The only Rucka I really have ever read was his um, when they rebooted the Wolverine solo book, and I wasn't that impressed. I don't know. Uh, I haven't read that, but I know his his crime writing is amazing. I mean, what you need to read, he did uh, he co-wrote with Ed Brubaker actually mm-hmm. a series called Gotham Central for uh, for DC that was about the Gotham City Police Department that was incredible, uh, and he's he also did a run with Batwoman that was one of the best nice comics I ever read really. So I mean, if you get him on some crime fiction, he is just fantastic. So Daredevil would be absolutely his groove. Uh, Extreme Spider also asks, uh, does Zach, uh, are you there? Uh, no, but however, we have an impersonator. Uh, <laughs> if yes, how excited are you for Madden 11? Uh, Zach, how excited are you for Madden 11, a.k.a. Kevin? I, I can't even do this one. I'm Madden 11, I, I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I thought you were just going to do, well, me and my girlfriend are going to play it a lot. Okay, uh, J.R. question. It, it just turns my brain off. Okay. J.R. in the story arc about the new Osborne baby, will Norman team up with Spidey to save his fourth kid? Good God, he has four kids. Oh, Norman does have four kids. Okay. I thought we were talking about Harry. Save his fourth kid or screw his kid and leave him out to dry. 
I was about to say, isn't Norman leading Craven now in the uh, the kids, you know, department? Um, I think we've only identified. Oh, wait a minute. No, there are actually four Craven children. Okay. Are there four Osborns? There's... Well, yeah, the the, the okay, Harry, the Stacy twins, and uh, oh. now this one with Lily Hollister. Got, so, got uh, as far as I, I don't know, I mean, you know, we'll just have to read. I would love to see a good story about Norman and Spider-Man having to team up. You know, I mean, even though they hate each other, they'll need they need each other to survive. I'd like to see that story. But Norman's down deep in jail, and uh, he's going to be there until at least his miniseries. So I'm not sure how he and Spidey are going to team up. Luda, Luda Chris, uh, says, <laughs> Sweet Home Alabama is his location. Hey gang, what are y'all's thoughts on the upcoming Spider-Man or Marvel Studios movies Thor, Captain America, and the Avengers? I haven't heard you talk much about it. I'm excited. I thought the, uh, the trailer for that Thor movie was amazing that they pulled, that showed at, uh, Comic-Con. Yeah, that looked awesome. Oh man. I think I'm, all, I'm, all of us want to go see it opening day. I mean, we're we're us, so we'll see all these movies. Yeah, no matter yeah, what, yeah. But I, I mean, am getting we're all Marvel more, fans. I am getting more and more worried about Captain America the more times the director opens his mouth, though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what uh, is the most money you've ever spent on a comic book? Three dollars and ninety nine cents. No, just kidding. Recently bought a copy of Amazing Spider Man number thirty nine in great condition for a hundred bucks. Uh, Jr., what's the most you plopped down? Fifteen fifteen dollars. <laughs> what what that was, was it? That was the late 70s, early 80s. It was the number, it was gold key number one Star Trek. Um, wow. You know, well, yeah, I mean, it was a comic from like 67 or 8, but it was, I don't know if anybody remembers the gold key comics, but uh, gold key did a lot of uh, licensed properties, uh, you know, Twilight Zone and Dark yeah. Shadows and all kinds of stuff, but they also did Star Trek, and that was n- number one, and that's the one I spent the most money on. Kev? I think I spent $20 each on Amazing Spider-Man number 102, uh, second Morbius issue, and uh, Marvel Team-Up number, I think it was three, that was the continuation of that Morbius story. Yep. Uh, Stella? Uh, $37 um, for Detective Comics number 359, the first appearance of Barbara Gordon, and that actually beat my $30 of... Birds of Prey number eight. So yeah. Why is that one so rare? Um, it's ba- I think it's basically the uh, Dick and Bab shippers made it that way because it's sort of like this really romantic um, mm. introduction to their relationship, and it's just really super tough to find, and everybody wants it. Uh, mine was a good deal, and it was when I was like twelve or something. My mom got it for me as a Christmas gift. Uh, a broke college student at a comic book convention had on his table. Amazing Spider-Man number one, Amazing Spider-Man number 14, and what was the third one? Oh, Amazing Spider-Man number three. And we got all three of those. I'd say they're in very good condition, maybe fine, minus, uh, for a hundred bucks. All three of those issues for a hundred bucks. You believe that? And this is like circa 1989. But it was one of the best deals I have ever seen. So. The kid went through college on a hundred bucks of tuition money from my mom as a Christmas gift. <laughs> uh, Iron Jam from the UK. Hi, lady and gentlemen. Here's my first ever question to the podcast. Congratulations, sir. Uh, it's for the whole gang. What is the strangest comic book story you have ever read? Uh, I, I have it on my to read pile, but Spider Man Fever is looking pretty damn weird. <laughs> How about uh, Spidey Sundays by Stanley and Marcus Martin? 
JR, you got a weird one? Well, when I uh, reviewed comics for Hero Realm uh, years ago, some of, I used to try to pull the indie stuff, you know, because yeah. uh, most of the guys, you know, reviewed the mainstream. So I tried to uh, focus some on the uh, on the independents. Oh God, some of that stuff was just strange. There was this one comic that seemed like it was RuPaul as a spy with a gay sidekick, and then uh, <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah, I mentioned uh, Midnight Girl. I think was one of the worst ones I ever seen about a, you know, a, the domina- a dominatrix was a, was the main villain, and the Marvel uh, archetypes of the Marvel and DC characters were all a bunch of corrupt drunkards, and uh, just you know, yeah, it's, some of that stuff is almost like designed to offend people. So, did you end up selling all that stuff? I don't think anybody could buy it. You know, oh, I mean, wow. I, I I couldn't put it in a garage sale for heaven's sake because kids, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So I don't know. I've still got some of that trash. I don't know what to do with it. And he is is uh, betting that I will pronounce his city wrong in England. Is it Levin or Levin? What do you guys think? I would say Levin if he hadn't said he thought you would pronounce it wrong because that's too easy. Yeah. How about <laughs> Levon? How about that? Anyway, that'd be French. My bad. Anyway, yeah. welcome to welcome to the board. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Iron Jam. Zach C. From Woodland Park, Colorado. Uh, congrats, Brad. Thank you. Now the questions. I have a little girl named Parker after my favorite comic book character. My wife wants us to have a theme, and we have another baby due in December. My question is, what are some cool comic book names for a baby boy and girl? It could be villains or heroes. I have come up with Dylan for a boy, based on Max Dylan, and Riley for a girl. I think we had this question similar a while back. Well, no, I think we are thinking of uh, names for my baby a long time ago. Any, there's no uh, autos out there. That'd be new. <laughs> and Felicia is a good name. That's that's kind of kind of rare. You know, well, we, were, we were uh, well. Spencer's uh, middle name is Logan. Yeah, uh, okay. and uh, that works for a boy or a girl. So, I was actually our boy was going to be named Logan based on because I we both like that name. Yeah, my best friend uh, just got married. He he got his wife to agree that if they have. A boy, uh, they'll name him Logan James. Nice. The last <laughs> name Howlett? No. <laughs> I don't think she's going to go that far. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, your favorite Babs and Dick aren't really two good names. I'm sorry, Stella. But <laughs> <laughs> she's just totally offended what I said. No, oh, well, I mean, I, I guess. Well, I mean, Richard, yeah, I guess. They're both sort of old fashioned. Yeah, but. they're old, but. Any names that you like? If. You ever have a kid that you might tie um, into comic books? <laughs> no, it wouldn't be comic book related. Uh, if I were to ever have a daughter, I'd actually name her Scarlet Melanie after the oh. uh, the oh, two but... yeah main of Gone with the Wind. But no comics. I'm sorry. I like well Scarlet. Uh, Bendis just released a solo book called Scarlet. There you go. Oh, okay. Scarlet Spider. Yeah, okay. Scarlet Spider. Twelve inch <laughs> Scarlet Spider. There you go. <laughs> wow. Uh, never mind. Uh, what artist that has never been a reg- been on a Spider book would you like to see on Amazing Spider Man? Kind of hit that up. Kevin yeah. mentioned his. <sighs> I really don't know. I have no idea. Anybody hop out at anybody? Frida. Who's Frida? Hello. <laughs> Who? What? Frida the famous. Yeah, the famous uh, painter. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Why not? All right. Wasn't that a movie with Alfred Molina or something? <laughs> Yeah, yeah and Penelope Cruz was in it too. Oh no, it wasn't Penelope. It was the. Uh, it was some high. I, I would yes, like. I would like Jim Davis, who does Garfield, to draw Spider-Man. 
Uh, Crazy Chris. <laughs> I thought at least someone would chuckle. Screw you all. <laughs> Crazy Chris. <laughs> they didn't even, are you guys there? I did chuckle. You just laughed over it and couldn't oh, hear it. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I, I I would like to have seen a Charles Schultz Spider-Man. That uh, would have been cool. Wouldn't that have been cool? Uh, Crazy Chris from Finals. Good luck on your finals. Stella, for a while you have been making literature recommendations. What do you what what to you distinguishes literature from other fiction? Yeah, this is really tough. Um, in my opinion, literature is something that um, leads to several different forms of interpretation, and it leads to good, solid debate. Um, now, some people may ask me, do I consider Twilight literature? And I would say no. And then they might ask me, but can't we discuss this? And I would again say no. So, what <laughs> I, I like consider... That. <laughs> I liked it. That was awesome. <laughs> Okay. Um, I don't think comics are necessary literature uh, because I think they have sort of um, uh, their own category. But, you know, for some reason, Watchmen seems to bleed over there, which is very strange. But I think it just it's able to get a lot of people uh, to give the reactions, to give their interpretations. And that's my thoughts. Holy crap. We got Zach back for the last five <laughs> minutes of the show. <laughs> What happened to your internet, sir? Did you not pay the bill? No, I paid the bill. Well, wait a minute. He's in, he's broadcasting from a sock. Wait a minute. <laughs> I cannot hear you now. Can hear? Uh, no. We can no. hear you. We just can't hear you well at all. It's like you Craven, like you're underwater. It's like Craven buried you. Come up from the ashes. Come oh, on. No. Keep going. Oh, Keep going. Nope. 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 Just nod. Nope. Okay. Can you, if I talk really loudly into the mic, can you hear me now? Uh, it sounds like ass, but go, yeah. <laughs> you're incredibly muffled. <laughs> it, it's it's like you're on the cover of the Nuff Set issue with Spider-Man ho- putting his hand over you. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Uh, Kevin, just for shits, what are your thoughts on the above topic? <laughs> um, just for I shits, mind you. The definition of literature is entirely subjective. Um, obviously, Stella is hard and firm to her definition, and she will not take any challenge on it. But you know, it's it's still, um, you know, she has to determine what exactly does cause the debate and whatnot. And some people might disagree on that. Uh, me, at least everybody has their definition. Me, I'd say any novel is literature, um, and I'd say there's a lot of comics that rise to that level too. It's sort of like saying, you know, what's What's the difference between a movie and a film? Well, it's it's kind of your own definition. Technically, there's not really a difference, but some people say uh, Inception is a film, but we can never call Harold and Kumar a film. You know, it, it's a lot the same way people define literature. You can say, uh, you know, Gone with the Wind is literature, but could you ever say? Uh, I don't think I know modern novels well enough to talk about the crappy ones, but you get my point. It's, it's subjective, and my definition is a lot broader than Stella's. Black Spider-Man is our last poster with the last questions. Memphis, Tennessee is where he's broadcasting from. Um, he was sad that there's no call-in show this month. I'm sorry, I just uh, forgot usually on anniversary shows we do call-in, but I've been kind of busy. so Well, we'll, no, we'll still have an anniversary of the podcast, won't we? <laughs> we, well, we got no, that, that's, that's uh, in August also, so... Uh, I, I, here, here's the deal. I'll, I'll give you one more call and show this year. There, there's a promise. Uh, question for Zach Amarillo by morning. Do you enjoy he, it? He asked me this question knowing full well I hate that song. 
Railroad by morning. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I hate that song. Okay. Five. That'd be a no from Zach. And Spider-Man still has his hand over his mouth. Uh, JR, do you think that Norman has been ri- written better or worse over the years? And what writer do you think captures him the best? Um, I think, uh, really, the uh, he's being written better as time goes goes on i think people are getting you know really being able to dig into the complexity of the character uh warren ellis and uh bendis i mean have have done both did very good jobs with him in thunderbolts and dark avengers i was really sad to see both of those titles go because i thought both of those writers had uh you know had nailed him so yeah i think i i i really think he shouldn't have died back in uh asm 122 i mean yeah, well, that's that's a topic for another day, yeah. I guess. But uh, yeah, Kevin, with my first question, you recommended Brightest Day. I have heard mixed things on it. Do you still like it? And would you recommend it even for non-DC fans and readers? Well, let me tell you. When I recommended it, I'd only read issue number zero, and at this point, I have only read issue number zero. <laughs> so uh, I haven't really changed my opinion. I don't know if it's gotten. Uh, worse or better or what. I've seen, though, I tell you, I think they're up to issue number seven. I've seen in a lot of reviews that said the first six were kind of spinning their wheels, but it seemed like every review I saw of number seven this week was saying, if you've been waiting for it to kick into gear, this is where it happens. So, yeah. uh, hopefully. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> I w- I'm sorry, I'm not keeping up with the current comics very well outside of Amazing Spider-Man. Are you waiting on the trade on that one, Kev? Because I know a long time ago you said you're going to do more trades and singles. No, uh, well, I've been getting it. Um, yeah. It's I've got, I think my to-read pile yeah. is over 100 comics now from the past couple of months just because I just haven't had time to read them. I can't read them at work anymore. So yeah. I've just been reading Amazing Spider-Man. And, of course, uh, I'm, I'm not doing any trades uh, right now because, as I said, I had to cut my pull list down to just... Uh, ASM, and I went ahead and threw X-Factor in there, so I, I just don't have the money right now for stuff like trades yeah. and other comics. Stella, do you like Marcos Martin better on Batgirl or on Spider-Man? And Brad, please refrain from the innuendo. Damn it. If he is not your favorite on Batgirl, then who is your favorite Batgirl artist? I actually do. I think I would agree with Kevin because he brought this up before. I think that his style is, is much better... Um, Honed in Bad Girl, I think instead of trying to emulate others, he has his own distinct style in Bad Girl Year One. So I definitely think that he would be my favorite to draw Bad Girl. And what about Spidey? Do you like do you like his Spidey? I mean, the artwork. I do. Um, I don't think it's as good as Bad Girl. I agree with Kevin on that. And I think that sometimes the storylines that he is given also bring it down because yeah. the first time that he was brought on was that whole. Bobby Carr drugs fiasco. Yeah. We're shooting up and Mary Jane's in the same room. So that's, yeah, it's not not the best. Yeah. And Brad, congratulations on your baby girl. Thank you to you and to everybody that wrote in uh, on the baby girl. Uh, she will be having more uh, spider outfits on the front page if you want to see her. I, I have a, I bought a shirt from the Old Navy that says, uh, has a, is a purple shirt that has a Spider-Man heart. It says, don't mess with me, I have superpowers. She's going to wear that on her first day of school because it was 50% off the shirt. And I'm like, you know what? I'm never going to see this again. I'm buying it. So anyway, thank you again (laughs) to everyone on the Well Wishes. And with that, that wraps up our anniversary show, our 12th anniversary show. Uh, Final thoughts, JR, what do you – 
Before we go, what do you think? On anything. I think I, I think I've talked enough. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's time to go. All right, Kevin. Uh, yeah, I'd agree with Jr. It's time <laughs> to go get some aspirin and stock up on it for that live call-in show you promised. <laughs> <laughs> go to Sam's. You can get a really big one. Yeah. Speaking, of, speaking of Sam's, how's the muffler? Uh, <laughs> by the way. I think he insulted me, but I can't tell. Congratulations. Thank you, sir. On a 12th year of being online, a fourth year of the podcast, and your little baby girl. Thank you, sir. Stella, final thoughts. Yeah, well, you know, after, you know, Zach dropped off and Kevin was going to give an impression but had nothing, I realized that. I had something to say, and I was battling back and forth whether or not to do it because New Stella was not going to, you know, attack Zach at all. But I just have to say that probably Madden 2011 playing out with his girlfriend is probably what Zach considers foreplay. (laughs) 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 Always remember, Zach, left, right, up, square gets you (laughs) (laughs) ready. On that note, good lord. Oh, wow. That was funny. Zach, I don't know what the hell you did to your computer, but goddamn. (laughs) Yeah, nobody knows what you're saying, dude. We love you, but shit. (laughs) All right. He's like Charlie Yeah. 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 Now he's, now he's the Swedish chef. <laughs> You're shtibursty. All right, gang. Thank you for four hours. My God. Well, three and a half. <laughs> I got I got us off at four. Oh, excuse me. I got done at four. <laughs> I got done got at, us four, off four, at four, like four, I said. Did I not call it? Yep. yep that was Very right good. I'm impressed. I didn't think we were going to get through that in an hour. Good. Good. All right, gang. I will let you go. Okay. And... Zach, no clue. Maybe we might, yeah. might want to text. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, congratulations, Brad. I think Thank that's you. the overwhelming state the comment for today. So. Yeah. Thank you, guys. She's beautiful. And that wraps up this latest episode for August. Before I go, I want to thank our sponsor, MailOrderComics.com, for helping bring this show to you each and every month. Another Spider Spotlight is the Spider-Man Gauntlet Trade Paperback, Volume 3. It's called Vultures and Morbius. It collects Amazing Spider-Man number 622 to 625. It also has material from Web of Spider-Man number 2 and number 6. It clocks in at 136 pages. And the cover price for that book is $14.99. Mail order has it for 50% off. That's half off and selling it for just $7.49. So check them out at mailordercomics.com. Thanks for listening, gang. I'm Brad Douglas, your webmaster and host for the SpiderManCrawlspace.com. <laughs>